Babies need not to be taught a trade, but to be introduced to a world. To put the matter shortly, woman is generally shut up in a house with a human being at the time when he asks all the questions that there are, and some that there aren't. It would be odd if she retained any of the narrowness of a specialist. Now, if anyone says that this duty of general enlightenment, even when freed from modern rules and hours and exercised more spontaneously by a more protected person, is in itself too exacting and oppressive, I can understand the view. I can only answer that our race has thought it worthwhile to cast this burden on woman in order to keep common sense in the world. But when people begin to talk about this domestic duty as not merely difficult, but trivial and dreary, I simply give up the question. For I cannot with the utmost energy of imagination conceive what they mean. When domesticity, for instance, is called drudgery, all the difficulty arises from a double meaning in the word. If drudgery only means dreadfully hard work, I admit the woman drudges in the home, as a man might drudge at the Cathedral of Amiens or drudge behind a gun at Trafalgar. But if it means that the hard work is more heavy because it is trifling, colorless, and of small import to the soul, then as I say, I give it up. I do not know what the words mean. To be Queen Elizabeth within a definite area, deciding sales, bouquets, labors, and holidays, to be Whitley within a certain area, providing toys, boots, sheets, cakes, and books, to be Aristotle within a certain area, teaching morals, manners, theology, and hygiene, I can understand how this might exhaust the mind, but I cannot imagine how it could narrow it. How can it be a large career to tell other people's children about the rule of three and a small career to tell one's own children about the universe? How can it be broad to be the same thing to everyone and narrow to be everything to someone? No, a woman's function is laborious, but because it is gigantic, not because it is minute. I will pity Mrs. Jones for the hugeness of her task. I will never pity her for its smallness. G.K. Chesterton, What's Wrong with the World? Well, welcome back, dear listeners, to Bright Hearth. I'm joined here by my lovely wife, Lexi. Say hi to the people, Lexi. Lexi is wearing our uh, patented Rosie the Riveter Feed the Patriarchy shirt. Did you see the socks Andrea got me? That's looking good. I did not. She got me some Rosie the Riveter socks. Oh, that's right. You did show me those. That's awesome. Rosie the Riveter socks. Man, now you can can be head to toe. uh, Not fighting the patriarchy, but feeding the patriarchy. She also got me a a cookbook about her. And she said it has a lot of cool information just about her. (laughs) (laughs) a lot of cool information in it so i'm excited to read that excellent well today uh we are in the kitchen continuing this season talking about recovering the lost arts and disciplines of homemaking and the productive christian household and as we walk through the different rooms of the house and ask what our duties are before the lord and to our people in each of these rooms um we're in one of the most central rooms in the house really one of the rooms from which many of the duties come and, and you know come into and go out of, and that's the kitchen. So we'll be spending some some few episodes here. We've already done at least one, if I recall correctly, in the kitchen so far. We do these late at night for us, like 7 45, 8 p.m. So the brain starts to tick down. I can never remember how many episodes we've done in the room in each room of the house. But today, what are we talking about, babe? We are talking about recovering skills in the kitchen. 
correct? Yes. Skills. Skills. As Napoleon Dynamite says, I believe. Does he say Doesn't that? he say something about how he's got skills oh, and I guess his skills does. impress all the ladies? Yeah, that's pretty funny. That is not what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about recovering the various skills and arts and sciences that go into making the kitchen productive. Yes. So why in a culture where we have Walmart for us literally five minutes up the road where we could get anything we wanted whenever we wanted from anywhere in the world, at least you could before COVID. True, true. <laughs> um, why is this important? Like I could save, imagine how much time I could save if I made Walmart make all of our food for us. Imagine how much time. So mm. why is this important for us? Because I, I think people could be hearing this like as a false gospel that we're putting on them or like a heavy weight or why is this important for Christians to recover today? Yeah. And it's not important so that you can show off no. so that you can be a show off <laughs> no, you're not. or <laughs> so, wow. that, so that all of the people, you know, so that you we, we watch that one Instagram account sometimes that you just showed me the video a moment ago of this, woman who clearly knows a lot about like the natural foods and you know natural medicine worlds and she just makes these parody videos of like crunchy moms and it's not supposed to be like full out mockery i think but it's really funny because she kind of nails some of the performative there's like this performative crunchiness where you're like oh um uh, are you wearing where did the cotton in your shirt come from is it from indonesia or is it pure virginia to be honest i feel like the crunchier you get the less you want to talk about it because you don't want people to know how weird, <laughs> how weird you, are. you are yeah <laughs> so we're not talking about recovering skills and when we say recovering skills in the kitchen we haven't defined that yet we're talking about you know everything from canning and hot water canning pressure canning to you know raising Making your food. own medicine yeah processing your own food from the raw ingredients and a lot of those kinds of skills that used to be, if you wanted certain things, you had to be able to do these things yeah. or know somebody very close mm -hmm. to you who specialized in mm -hmm. them. Whereas now, like you mentioned, we have very centralized, very large corporations mm -hmm. and other businesses that if essentially have slowly displaced all of these things from the household mm -hmm. and removed them from the household until you end up getting the kind of museum kitchens Instagram kitchens that really exist as a prop, but they're, you know, they're these kitchens with like thousand horsepower stoves and stuff that never get used for anything yeah, other than never used, boiling no. water for the macaroni from the box. So we're talking about those kinds of skills and we're not talking about them so that you can show off. We really aren't. We're not talking about them so that you can, um, you should have a good, a sense of satisfaction and joy that we'll talk about in, um, recovering these skills but it's not so that you can be the crunchiest mom at the potluck or, you know, whatever it is that you are. mom will be at the potluck. <laughs> <laughs> okay. One of the first reasons that I think it's important that part of robust, productive household, productive Christian household domesticity involves recovering these disciplines and these arts, domestic arts, is because it just simply makes you a more interesting person. I, that's kind of, I'm starting here because it's probably not what you guys expected me to say. But I've argued before elsewhere that one of our goals as Christians ought to be to become interesting people over time. 
And again, I don't mean that in a proud way, like the most interesting mm-hmm. man in the world, the Dos yeah. Equis commercial, not necessarily. But think about what makes an interesting person. An interesting person is someone who is interested in God's world. They're not just willing, to, they ask questions, they go, they search out, they learn things, they have experiences that are outside of the norm for people. They, they basically look out at the world that God made and they think, wow, there's a lot to learn here. So, you know, take somebody like Leonardo da Vinci, obviously very interesting person. Part of that was because, not just because he did things very well, the things he did, he did very well, but also because he just had a diverse body of things that he was interested in. And, you know, from mechanics to uh, inventing to art, high art, sculpture, painting, architecture, um, he, he was into a lot of different things. And when I think about the people I know personally that are some of the most humble and God-glorifying people I know, they're also very interesting people, mm. people that I would want to sit down and just ask, like, tell me about your life. Tell me what you've... Yeah. you've... And, and on the other hand, I would contrast that with someone who's just very satisfied to let, you know, to just depend on others for everything, to basically just do the minimum that they can so that they can get home to watch their Netflix or whatever at the end of the day. And like, what do they have to talk about? Well, that I was going to say, that's the problem is that they talk about other people. People like this who are boring, they gossip a lot. (laughs) It's true. You don't have anything because they have nothing interesting to talk about. (laughs) So that really is. I say that because when you're when you're investigating something, we've all experienced this. When you're learning a new discipline, let's say you're learning how to pressure can, and uh, it it seems really daunting at first and difficult, and kind of like, how am I ever going to figure this out? And by the way, I I didn't mention this in our Patreon episode. I am a rebel canner. I do not follow a lot of the USDA guidelines because I actually believe the government doesn't want us pressure canning. So why would I follow their guidelines? So you'll be able to like throw in random asides like that, <laughs> questioning the government if you follow our well, advice. I only say that because it they do make it feel terrifying. It's not terrifying. Go ahead, Ray. Yeah. So what was I saying? You were saying what is the process? Like, say you're trying to. Learn oh, yeah, yeah. Canning. So you're you're learning. You know, take any skill: beekeeping to pressure canning, to knitting, whatever it is. You just find yourself talking about it to other people. You find yourself in conversations. Where you're like, you just talk, oh, this is so hard. I can't figure out how to do this. I had a royal disaster in the kitchen today. I blew up a can or what? I don't really, I don't pressure can, so I don't know what the <laughs> dangers are. But, you know, you just end up talking about it. And, mm-hmm. and those are the kind of conversations that are fascinating when you're talking to somebody who is interested enough to do something difficult that not everybody is doing. And you're just, I think that in itself betrays or shows a depth of character and a depth of interest in the world that God made. And so when I'm thinking about like why, one of the reasons is that I think acquiring skills keeps you from stagnating, it keeps you from shrinking, and it means that you're always growing more and more. If you if you look at like the vision for um, a household that, that Paul... In Titus 2, Paul tells Titus to train pastors to train women in the church. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They're to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, and to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Well, that's like a huge task that he just gave. When he just says simply, love, teach them to be lovers of their husbands and children, think of everything that goes into that. It's like, 
food, clothing, housekeep, like all of it. The, there's so many things that go into that. And if you just sort of figure out how to on autopilot do the bare minimum in the home to get by, then I think what happens is you stagnate, you plateau, you sort of shrink down, you stagnate. But if you're always asking the question, how can I get to the next level in cooking? Could I learn how to make pastries like the patisserie down, you know, in the the big city? Could I learn how to make whatever it is? Could I learn how to do roasts this year that are as good as any hundred dollar plate restaurant? And the answer is you you can. You yeah. really can. I think too it equips you more and more to as you grow in your skill set, you grow in the ways you can serve others as well. Oh yeah. And I'm thinking of Sorry, I don't want to take this over, but I have like five thoughts. Go for that are it. This is. At me right I, I hoped that you would kind of <laughs> weave your comments throughout my comments. There's another section that is somewhat similar, but I'm looking at First Thessalonians four right now. Verse eleven says, "We urge you, brothers, to do this more and more, and to aspire to live quietly, and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands, as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders, and be dependent on no one." I think it's either in another verse or in another translation where it says, "Live quietly." Or, or work with your hands so that you have something to share. Yeah. Or maybe that's the section where he's admonishing them not to have idle hands, but to work for their bread so that they have something yeah, those to share. Yeah, those are all things Paul's concerned with teaching the yes, church. Yes. Either way, the scriptures very clearly draw a direct correlation between working with their hands and generosity and sharing and serving others. Something else to put that I, as I just read this, I hadn't thought about it before. And maybe it's because I just listened to... Well, a couple weeks ago, I listened to Eric and John Moody's interview on the Hardman podcast. Yeah, and it's it's related. It's like a really expanded version of what we did on our um, patrons-only show last week on hormones and things like that. But they talked about a much no, broader no, range of things. No, it's different. No, it's different. This one, he was talking more about... Wasn't it like the three-hour one? I don't think he's done that yet. Oh, he hasn't put that one out. Uh, yeah, okay, never yeah, mind. Yeah. Never this mind. was a different one. I, I think they talk, They did talk about some of men's health, but he was talking in there. He was kind of answering the questions like, why should Christians care about food security? Oh, yeah. But he, he said in there, basically, he connected it to Daniel and he connected it to the Israelites when they were, what did it have been, Babylon? Were they in Babylon? In Jeremiah, when he's telling them to plant gardens, where were they? Yeah, that's right, okay. in Babylon. And he was, he, John just kind of pointed out like, part of the means that God provides for us to not be easily manipulated by pagan cultures is self-sufficiency because if they can manipulate us with our food, <laughs> then we can, we have to do whatever they want essentially. Mm -hmm. But this verse here too, in first Thessalonians is saying, aspire to live quietly and work with your hands so that you are dependent on no one. Like what else, what else does that? Yeah. Like, am I reading into that no, too much? I I literally wrote a note here on this question just on how the world is bent on making you a cog. Yes. And it's meant on it's bent on making you a drone or and and basically to be completely plugged into somebody else's system and to totally depend on daddy government, on big yes. pharma, on big food. But one of the other connections I would make here is that woman is the glory of man, according to Paul in in 1 Corinthians 11 which means that there's something about femininity, there's something about womanhood 
that when it's doing what it was created to do, it's a glory that adorns mankind. And so I'm thinking about that with even verses like, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord Christ you will receive your reward. And and so it's like, whatever you do, you should be thinking, I'm serving Christ. What kind of food would I want to serve to Christ? What kind of, you know, as it, you're treating other people as if they are important. Yeah. And you're serving them heartily. So when you put all of this together, you start to realize that boring people who are lazy and not diligent and depend on everybody else for everything and act like, you know, I it, well, if, if nobody gives it to me, if no one just puts it on a plate for me, it's not going to happen. It's so much of a labor for me. Or they're too cool for school. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm being put out in order to do my duties. Everybody should just be thankful that I got a meal at all on the table yeah. today. <laughs> and just this kind of like fussy, really lazy femininity. And it's not addressed very much because we yeah. don't address sins common to women in the church today. But this is one of the ways that women sin and actually make themselves miserable. Because the reality yeah. is, when you are interested in something, pursuing it with vigor, it, it's it's counterintuitive because you think you're going to be poured out more and have nothing left. And what actually happens is it's like a guy mm-hmm. that works his muscles out diligently, mm-hmm. is that he grows and he gets stronger and there's more yeah. joy and there's yeah. satisfaction in, in good labor. And you yeah. can, you know, like, let's say you learn how to do the laminated dough. And you, I'm apparently got French pastries on the brain. Mm. Je suis Francais. And uh, you learn how to do it and, and you, you know, have 10 failed. It's hard. It's hard, by the way, I've tried. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, but you get that 12th or that 15th batch a couple months in that just is like as good as the Queen of Mon- Les Madeleines in Salt Lake City. And it's just delicious and buttery. And, and you know all the little tricks and you figure out every way to do it wrong. There's so much satisfaction in that, mm-hmm. in seeing somebody else enjoy it yeah, and serving it. Like you said, you have something to give to other people. Yeah, and there's very little in life because we are so, because we have relegated everything out to the experts. There's very little we have to persist in in life. Oh, yeah, that's so true. If something gets hard, we can just pay someone else to do it for us. So sticking to a learning process even when you're failing over and over and over again, you almost have to create hoops for yourself to jump through because yeah. we don't have that in our modern, easy, easy chair society anymore. Yeah, everything's instant. Yeah. I think that's that's a really good point that you just raised because what happens, I think, some of the time in households that are aiming to be like the ones that we're trying to describe and like the one we're trying to become over time, I think it's easy to get discouraged because you do, everything is instant, everything's easy. And when you start to try to recover some of these lost arts of domesticity and cooking in the kitchen and things like that, it can be really easy to get discouraged and be like, ah, this one fell flat. Nobody liked this dinner. Nobody liked this thing. And I worked really hard at it and I'm frustrated and I still, and the dishes still need to be done. Kids still need to be put yeah, in bed. Yeah. And and so it is, It's it's worth noting, I think, that one of the reasons that uh, it's a glory to pursue the recovery of these arts and disciplines in your home is because it teaches you diligence when you actually yes. go through hard work, even failures. <laughs> like when you learn how to persevere through that and continue is where the real growth happens, yeah. I think, for most of us. Yeah, that's the intangible part of it. It's the character 
and that's why it can't just be about having all home canned food. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and it does. Like as you as you go about like as you give yourself a vision and a goal for making progress and and not just treading water or like doing the bare minimum, it again it counterintuitively helps make the baseline tasks more achievable where you're like when you for example, when you have a big project that you're really passionate about getting done and learning and you're excited about it, all of a sudden you want to get up, you want to get kids fed, you want to make space, you want to get them doing something interesting, invite them in so that you can get to this thing that you're like, yes, I want to learn this thing today. And so you can kind of like, I've experienced this in my own work. When I'm excited about doing something, some project or, you know, like I'm excited about the catechism thing I'm, I'm working on right now, this catechism set to music, the Westminster Shorter Catechism. It's like, a project I believe is important and I am excited about it. And so it it is something that gives drive to think, oh, I could, I bet I could write another catechism song. Oh, I bet I could get the next question set. And all of a sudden I'm making space in my duties to devote 20 minutes here, 20, you know, 15 minutes here to this new thing that I think is important. And I think the same thing happens where it's like the rising tide that lifts up all the other boats, all your other duties too, and um, gives you it, it energizes you, and you get stronger over time as you pursue these things. Would you say that this being humanizing work is the same as being an interested person, or do, do, would you yeah. put that in a different category? Yeah, I I think it's all part of the same thing. Okay. That when you're a again like the glory of a thing, my definition of glory, at least that I've kind of put together from different passages of Scripture, the way that I think about it and teach our church, is that the glory of a thing is that thing when it's at peace with God in doing and being what it's supposed to be and do. So when a human being is being what a human being was made to do, mm-hmm. at peace with God, taking dominion, being fruitful, multiplying, reflecting God's glory, gardening the world, like all those things, I think there's glory there and there's satisfaction and the result is that this this good world that God made is adorned, and you see it reveals what God put there. It's not like you're inventing new things that God didn't know about, but you're revealing glories that he's hidden throughout his creation. I, ha- I don't know if maybe we should make this an in the kitchen, but like a case for ideals. Christians, we should have a better case for recovering ideals. As yeah, that aren't legalism. Humanize us more and more. Yeah, that make us more human. It has nothing to do with our salvation. Yeah, I think this is a good. This is a good one to actually talk about that. Okay, a little bit. so because I'm thinking about, I'm reading Rookmacher's book, Modern Art and Culture, is in the title. Yeah, I can't remember. And his, I think it's R O O K M A A K E R. He's Dutch, but he's a Christian art critic, and he was talking about how post Enlightenment. With the Enlightenment came this demolishing of hierarchies in the world within creation. It was more of like an egalitarian view of things. We still see that today where there is no difference between man and animals anymore. And this drastically changed the way we viewed art. This was so fascinating to me. It drastically changed the way we viewed art. We started moving more into impressionism in a way from like actual... Like, like realism. Not even realism, because that's what I thought at first. But more, I don't, I don't know what the actual word, because he's trying to view this from a Christian perspective. So he was talking about how post-enlightenment, we stopped p- 
pictures of Venus in general. Like Venus was very ideological of feminine beauty. She was the height of it. And after that, um, feminine beauty started just being portrayed by the example he gave was some Chinese emperor's um, mistress. And we have more pictures like that than we do of Venus now, because as animals, we no longer have ideals. We no longer have Venus to look at. We just have this one woman right in front of us to look at. And because we're animals, all we can do in art now is just appeal to the senses instead of the ideal, because it's all about the material now. When you collapse the all of all the hierarchy in the world yes in egalitarianism you end up having to collapse the concept of ideals at all yes because to have ideals means there is a hierarchy of people who are meeting yes. the ideal or not meeting the ideal yes <laughs> and so egalitarianism inevitably leads to the collapse of ideals which inevitably leads to the collapse of skills and seeing the goodness of saying like there is such a thing in the world god made of saying that woman is really good yes. at baking and cooking, and yes. this other woman is not. Yes. And we're very uncomfortable saying yes. that, you know, saying and that because it feels, it goes against our modern egalitarian impulses. Well, and I've always known that, but having, like, having it understood there in the context of, like, post-enlightenment thought and what it has actually looked like in art, I, I immediately was making connections everywhere, and I think yeah. this applies here. You see that principle played out everywhere in yes. modernity. Yes, and, and this is one of those areas. So I think like w one of the one of the things in, in an episode like this that we would want to say is, don't be scared of ideals. Don't be scared yes. of excellence. Like, don't be scared of saying Psalm one twenty eight. I hope to eat the fruit of the labor of my hands and be blessed, <laughs> and it be well with me. Because the blessing of Psalm one twenty eight too is that you shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands, mm -hmm. and it will be a blessing, and it will be well with you, and. The state that they're describing, that's a very household psalm, the state they're describing in that psalm is one where, as a creature made by God, designed for this good work, you've put your hand to it with the strength God's given you, and you've turned a prophet, and you've, you've, there is fruit that has come out of your labors, and you're enjoying it. Yeah. And I think this, since we brought up hierarchy, I think this is a really good place to bring up Sierra Wiley's book the household in the war for the cosmos because he talks in there about how part of why households should be independent economies on their own is because everything in the world that is not of Christ is trying to break down the hierarchies that the Lord has built into the world between the church and the, the family unit and then the individual sovereign being responsible for themselves. And when you start to realize like, this is really crazy to think about how, overreaching the government really is it's because of demonic ideals that they they feel like they're responsible to keep all dairy farmers in the u.s afloat no <laughs> dairy farmers are responsible for themselves you know it's because they think that they should be responsible to tell us what a well child looks like no it's up to a parent to decide what yeah they just they subsume every every sphere. Even I yes. think so. We've we've heard before and had different. You know, I've heard this in the local church. Even I've heard this all over the place on the national scale. That this kind of criticism of having ideals and aiming for ideals that are extra biblical ideal ideals. Even like nowhere in Scripture does it say, for example, that you know it's it it'd be it's good for you to feed your family. Like that's great. Make sure that you're doing your baseline, like they're getting nutrition, they're getting three meals a day. Wow, but it'd be better 
if you could, you know, maybe introduce some variety and some skill and learn some different arts and disciplines and cooking. And it'd be best if like over the generations, your family became known as like the the best, you know, let's say you're an Italian family, like you want Italian food. This family has a rich inheritance they've passed down from mother to daughter to mother to daughter to mother to daughter. And so, and then that'd be like, that'd be so, that'd be the best. Some people become really uncomfortable with this kind of talk because they feel like what it is is some kind of legalism or works righteousness where it's like you're condemning everybody that maybe they didn't learn this from their parents, they they didn't inherit this thing, they don't know how to do it yet, maybe they're not naturally gifted at some of these arts and disciplines and the duties that they have before them. And what we're wanting to say is don't despair no wherever you're starting. Wherever if you are like first generation your parents were terrible and you were, you know, you were some of you probably had really really bad upbringings. Non-Christian parents, maybe absent parents, just some of you came from very difficult situations and some of you have multiple generations of Christians above you. The 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 principle you need to get in your bones is that whether in the Lord's providence he gave you one talent or 10 to start with, that you do your diligence with that one talent or those 10 talents and you see what kind of service you can bring to the to the people in front of you what kind of help you can bring to your church community to your neighbor what kind of glory you can bring to God in doing those duties and it's not legalism to zealously pursue and urge one another on to zealously pursue excellence i think i was kind of more going from the angle of when we when we mess up those spheres of responsibility like chocolate knox is always talking about how when the government started trying to help black people they actually black people were doing just fine on their own things actually got worse when they started trying to help them and you can see that in in society when when people that god has not ordained to be responsible in certain spheres try to start dipping their hands into those spheres harm happens to people and so as Christians, that's why I think it's important to realize God has actually built in a hierarchy of responsibility in reality. And so recovering some of these things that we're talking here are really, really practical on the ground ways to kind of resist against those overarching powers that really shouldn't have no business being involved in these things. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's what I was getting at in the um, earlier on the dependent thing where they big daddy government, yeah, yeah. big pharma, they basically want everybody to be children in their household. Yes. Like that's what the world is trying to do. It's trying to make you be like a toddler in the household of some false father figure. But what the true father, the father of lights, our heavenly father does when he gets a hold of people is he doesn't actually, it's kind of counterintuitive because he is like the arch father. He is, he is God overall. He, everything is his household. Like, I mean, he really yeah. does own everything, but in his wisdom, and it's his joy, it seems, to establish these decentralized, yes. many variegated hues of color and texture and cultural flavor and food and families and individual households and all over the world in Norway and China and Taiwan and America and Canada. And it's like what God the Father seems to like and what seems to delight him is like this texture that just goes through mm -hmm. everything. And what sin wants to do is create this Tower of Babel culture that's just Flat. monotone and one 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 flavor and that's what happens when when the government or when these other spheres start to absorb all of that uh, texture and variety 
is they and everybody ends up eating the same food from the same box doing the same thing that the same factory somewhere in Nebraska made or wherever it is I don't know or China you know and just like we're all there's one flavor one note one color and someone says why do you want more you have enough we gave you the one we gave you as many calories as our food pyramids as you need today and and the reality is the foot soldiers in the fight against that are mothers it's yep. it's housewives it's husbands saying, I will make sure I provide enough money and I work hard and I'm creative and I go start businesses or work heartily as for the Lord and out, out there in the world so I can give my wife enough resources to work with so that she can make our house a little bright hue that is different and that there's glory to Pastor it. Pastor Toby has been preaching that series on glory and I'm listening to the one on womanhood right now. Pastor Toby Sumter. Yeah, and I haven't, I had never heard this before. Maybe you you probably did, but he was talking about how the, the name that Adam gives Eve, not Eve, but woman, mm. it's similar to the word for fire. Interesting. And so he was saying that he doesn't know which came first. Was it that woman reminded him of fire and so that's how they were connected or did fire you know remind him of a woman but he was saying <laughs> funny. either way adam knew like it god seems to have said through that that woman is to light up the world interesting so bright hearth i mean that really is at the heart of our idea for this show Well, and that's what he was saying he was like she's lighting everything up she's feeding people all the time with clothing with food with playing games with them with singing with them with disciplining them yeah she is giving light and animation to the world and i was like that's so good and it's like proverbs contrasts one of the big themes of proverbs is to contrast these two you know great kind of um pictures mm -hmm. of folly and wisdom yes that are personified as the woman folly who is loud and foolish and she is simple, and her feet wander far from home, and she is always, you know, she's an adulteress too. <laughs> but she's certainly not building a rich home. Yeah. Like that, it's funny that the sine qua non of the woman folly is that she is she has neglected and abandoned her home. Whereas yeah. the woman wisdom, in the end, Proverbs 31 woman, who is just another personification in a way of wisdom yeah. is that she, and there is a personification of wisdom that's hewn her seven pillars, mm -hmm. mixed her wine. But Proverbs 31 is very much a continuation of that same theme. And what is she doing? I mean, he, Pastor Toby, who's like, if you look at wisdom, it's always building things, always building things, <laughs> turning a profit, you know, going and selling far and wide. She's doing real estate deals. She's so when people tell us like to the Chesterton quote at the beginning, when when people are like on Twitter right now, I, this is why it's on my mind. People are all mad at me. All the he hims and she hers are mad at me because I said women can't be pastors, and that it, it's wicked for men to set up women in the pastorate. Partly because one of the things you're saying with a pastor is go fight the wolves for us, right? And you would never say to the to your wife if you were a shepherd when you hear wolves howling for the flock, you would never say, hey, honey, go um go take care of the bear. There's a bear out there. I want you to go fight it. And I'll make sure the fire doesn't go out. You know, right? That'd be that'd be foolish. Well, they're they're all mad because they're like they're acting like to say a woman's work should center around her home is to like chain her to this bland porridge kind of life where there's nothing to do. And it's like there's nothing worthy of her skills and her glories to be the furthest thing from the truth. A home is a home is a difficult 
Well, it's like a Chesterton job. quote, which actually I don't know if that was the exact quote I had in mind, but my narration. I don't even of think it, it was. I don't think it was. But it, it was, was a, a good, good one. quote. Yeah, still. But a good I quote. was thinking of the one where he was talking about women should be kept home so that she can remain wide, but we send women to work yeah. so they become narrow. Chesterton has a lot of brilliantly put, very common sense, simple biblical themes about motherhood. Exactly. It's like there's so much there. It's it, it's so rich, and she's the foot soldier in the fight against this homogenization and this like monochroming of everything, because oh, which is hysterical because, you know, we're in such a multicultural culture now. Yeah, <laughs> and they're doing all of the things that are just flattening us as a society. Yes. So she's the desire of the sluggard kills him for his hands refuse to labor is another proverb in Proverbs 21 that is, again, contrasting. There's a male in that one, but it's like contrasting the sluggardly kind of bored, boring versus like the diligent, interested, creative work of the wise man or the wise woman. So let me add a few more reasons, then I actually want to get pretty practical here in a second. So one of the, one of the reasons this is important is because it helps you turn a profit on less so that you know you, you discover creatively I think that you when you when you stop saying I'm going to buy everything finished and I'm going to actually start to learn things you start to figure out how with you know in the in the patron exclusive episode Lexi and I did we do a, an extra show called in the kitchen every week actually with every show where we just talk practically to our Patreon folks, and you can become a patron and get the whole back catalog. And this episode, too, we talk about cookbooks and practically how to use them. And one thing interesting about the cookbooks you were recommending, Lexi, is that it wasn't like so that you could make every recipe in all the cookbooks, but the ones that you actually like are the ones that you learned how to do like 50 things with a few ingredients even, you know, mm. like oh, bread yeah, baking. Yeah, yeah. And okay. so all of a sudden you go... I know how to do with these einkorn yes. flour ber- wheat berries. Yeah. I can do 50 things. You can do more yeah. with less. Yeah, it's more. Um, Slowdown Farmstead talks about it as we need to be recipes used to emphasize processes over ingredients. Yes. And because we're we're surrounded by grocery stores, we can emphasize the ingredients without ever learning a process of cooking at all. So, yeah. 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 You, you get you learn the skills it's like how you could give, this is funny, you could give the nicest hardwood to an amateur woodworker and he could make something okay. You could give a, a, a like the odds and ends from somebody's old shop to a master woodworker and he will make you something yeah. amazing. You can give one of the cookbooks Lexi talks about is how to, con- like the never ending meal. It's this, like you're taking, you're stretching the odds and ends from the last meal and you're incorporating it in the next one. And that's not a, like, there's no cookbook on earth that can give you the recipe for how to do that because it's a skill. You are the thing that's bringing the energy and the creativity into the system Mm -hmm. that makes glory out of less. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then the last thing I'd want to say before we just talk practically for a moment is that when you do this, all of a sudden you have, even if you're the very first link in the generational chain to recover some of these things, you are building up an inheritance to give your children yes, and your yeah. grandchildren and their children. Yep. You know, because 
all of us, it, money is not the only thing we're giving our children an inheritance. Yeah. No skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just thinking about that the other day about eat, like little food traditions. These are the things that our kids are going to, when they come back with their kids, these are the things they're going to want to want. Wanna wanna want. Wanna wanna want. It's getting a little late over <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Lexi's like oh, thinking about some Bigfoot show that we've been watching I'm lately. About some raw milk <laughs> some ice cream actually. Some bed. No. Okay. So inheritance <laughs> is part of this. Let let's yeah. end here and, and I do want to ask you, Lexi, because mm-hmm. we've kind of gestured at a few things. Okay. What are we talking about? Like what are some lost arts and skills in the kitchen that you would commend maybe Pick a few of these that sound interesting and start planning on how to learn them. Okay. What kind of things? So just the kitchen or their whole household? <laughs> Let's stick with the kitchen because okay. there's too many. All of a sudden we're going to be talking about beekeeping and like, you know, but in the kitchen, okay. what are some of the things that you've, because you've recovered. Yeah. One of the things I appreciate about my wife is that she's curious and she's always doing some harebrained thing that I never, <laughs> I would never do. Like I'm not like her. I'm interested in other stuff. But all of a sudden I come home, I'm like, what's that sound? It's like a steam engine in our house. And you can't have a conversation because there's a steam engine going for hours. And it's like (laughs) this contraption on the stove that is apparently making it so that she can make beef stew and put it on the shelf without refrigeration forever. And and But I start talking to her about it, and she's like, oh, if you do this wrong, you can die. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like... Oh, okay. So what are some... I mean, these are things that I've emphasized just because we have a lot of kids and wanting to have quality food, just frugally. But I do think canning is a huge one. Although canning is not... Canning is a modern invention. It is not the best way to preserve food. It's not the most nutrient-dense way to preserve food. But I've thought about in terms of how to make your life easier when we're all sick or when I'm down or when we're having a really busy time. I think... I really do think women who are not used to this can neglect the husband's needs in the food department. And they can say, well, why can't you just be happy with peanut butter and jelly tonight? You know, three times a week. (laughs) So canning food for this, for me, for this last year, canning meat specifically has been a good skill that I've been growing in hot water bath canning, because if people start to know that you're the kind of family that's willing to put in the work of harvesting food you will have free food show up at your door oh, yeah, all the yeah. time. People will say, hey, come harvest this tree for me. I'm out of town. Yep. And if you don't know how to preserve it, yeah. it's a waste. It's like a week of, oh, we got a week of this produce. Yeah. Or three days or, you know. Just, by the way, we've spoiled. got cherry week coming up here. So. Cherry week is fun, actually. I like Because <laughs> what I think when I get cherry week, I love cherry pie. I think, <laughs> Lexi, I want you to can enough cherry pie filling so that for the next 12 months I can eat cherry pie at will. Yeah. And she does. Yeah. It's glorious. So so pressure canning, canning of meats as well mm-hmm. as things like more traditional, things that most people are more used to, which is like jellies, jams, yes, that kind of stuff. But yes. you're talking about actually canning meat, canning mm-hmm. things like... Canning you, meals, canning whole canning meals, meals that you can just go chili. Plop. You know, you go to the store, you buy a can of beef stew or chili off the thing, and you don't think about it probably. It's not refrigerated. Yeah. There's chili in that can. You can do that at home. Yeah, you can do that. With glass jars, and you can you can do it. Yeah. What are some um, other skills? Some other skills that I've worked towards is cheese. We had a really, and this is the cheese thing. making. When you have a variety of skills, you can turn a profit on what is economically affordable in your region. So for a, yeah. for years, we had access to a gallon of raw milk for two dollars. Okay. 
Yeah. That's some cheap cheese right there. If I can Under the table. Make it. Don't tell the fads. <laughs> uh, we don't have access to that source right now, but it just made sense for me to learn how to make some cheeses. Yep. So I did that for quite a while. I do still want to learn. We, because we just, we, I don't like that we do spend a lot of money still on preserved meats. Sure. Which is why I want to learn how to preserve more meats this year going into the fall. Like so, curing meats. Curing meats, yeah. Some of that. that we still world. like to buy things like jerky and occasionally, not a lot, but occasionally we do buy lunch meat. We love pepperoni, that sort of stuff. I would love to be able to make some more of that for our family because we do. We live in a place where there's lots of farming. We have access to meat. I just don't know how to make that stuff. Yeah. So One thing I would add that you've learned, I don't know the right word for this. There might be a word. But it seems like you've learned how to cook good food with a variety of sugars. Okay. That I'm going to be honest. A lot of the times, I'll have you know food wherever some people you know other people make or whatever, and it's like this is made with this healthy sugar, and I'm like, oh, good, it tastes like it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but you know, for example, we just ate those meringues that you made tonight, and they were made with maple. And they were amazing. Those were really they were good. so I good, chewy and cr- they Indian. were crisp and just these really good meringues that Lexi made. And they're made with all these different sugars that are not just processed white mm-hmm. cane sugar. Yeah. And so the, I I thought that was really yeah thanks, tasty. Sucking at, yeah, at. What's it called? I always call it <laughs> sucking at, like and then three I laugh. Different words for it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. sucking at. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So that's one. Uh, any other? Yeah, we were even talking about that recently when you hit, you were like, "Go get five hundred pounds of wheat berries." Oh yeah. I was thinking about like that means I need to be even better at understanding how to cook with a wide variety of bear of wheat because if worse came to worse, I can't rely on white flour yeah. for everything. I would so, also say something that you've learned is fermenting, mm-hmm. fermenting, soaking how to unlock and and best use the ingredients you have to to get maximal nutrition from people for, for the people. Yeah. Yeah, That's a really good way to put it. What are some things you've fermented and that you've made, you've learned how to soak and yeah, you can, you can easily, I mean, even if you don't want to go out and buy any, any tools or any fancy ingredients or whatever, there are simple tweaks you can start doing today to make your, the nutrients in your food more available to your body, essentially. So like soaking your oatmeal the night before with a little splash of apple cider vinegar, soaking your beans. It's going to be so much cheaper to buy dry beans, plop them in some water Yes. with a little bit of apple cider vinegar rice. and then cook them the next day. Same with rice. You could sprout grains if you want to and then dehydrate them and, you know, make sprouted flour. Yeah. Fermenting. I think like they say like one tablespoon of sauerkraut a day this is why i'm always telling you one tablespoon yeah i hate sauerkraut i'm sorry guys <laughs> has a wider variety of probiotics than any probiotic on the market yeah there you go and they're probably like these designer probiotics <laughs> yes, that cost exactly. like 50 dollars a month exactly. for like one person and just so you, <laughs> you know just make sauerkraut cabbage is the most economical vegetable it's I the cheapest vegetable to buy per love pound. cabbage i love it Pro tip, guys. I'm going to give you this is Chef's Corner. Okay. Cue some music, Ray. Okay. I'm just kidding. Chef's Chef's Corner with Brian. Put some cabbage in a cast iron pan with some butter and some salt, and you cook that up, and you eat that up. Oh, here's another one, friends. You put some cabbage in a 13 by 9 glass Pyrex pan. <laughs> I knew exactly. You I cut knew some it. butter hunks up. You put some Italian sausage crumbled over that, and you cook it at what's the temperature? I don't 300. know. Three, three hundred degrees for three to four hours covered, (laughs) and then you eat that up because it tastes 
So good. One of my favorite postpartum recipes. You need to make that for me again soon. I, I will, actually. I've been trying to get Italian yes. sausage at the farm truck. But here's the thing. It's when so you good. buy local food, they oh, haven't had Italian sausage for two weeks. The so. juices <laughs> come down. The juices come down through the cabbage, and they just transmorph. Okay, anyway. I, I like to yeah. saute cabbage postpartum. This is breakfast. So saute cabbage with butter, fry some eggs, and then add some craisins. Or what are they? Dried cranberries. Weird. We don't buy craisins. Yeah. Dried cranberries. It's so good. Lexi I know you don't, you don't. I don't. Do you this. don't like salty sweet type I'm, stuff like I do. Well, I'll eat the cranberries and then I'd eat that, yeah, but not together. It's super yummy. What though. are some other? Anyway, sorry. <laughs> okay, so I'm also thinking about things like some obvious ones like bread, sourdough. Okay. Learning bread making. Well, I actually really like Jordan and I recorded a podcast probably a couple Jordan years Sparks. ago now. Yeah, on the fruitful and fearless fear. Fearless, fearless, fruitful and fearless podcast on cooking from scratch. And she said something that I was like, oh, yeah, I've never thought about like that. She said, whatever you're buying from the store that's pre-made, just figure out how to make that. (laughs) Yeah, that's this is a good this is a good hack, even though I hate that word. Identify like, what do you buy? Correct. That's what I've done. And then you can like just start eliminating. You don't have to do it all tomorrow. No, no. But you can just pick something and be like, you know what? We buy a lot of sandwich bread. Mm -hmm. And maybe you've done the sourdough loaves and you're like, it doesn't work as good. We like sandwich bread. Learn how to make sandwich bread. Yeah, then learn how to make sandwich bread. You can't. Or we buy a lot of sweets. Learn how to make a couple really staple like... Get the cinnamon roll. We should put your cinnamon roll recipe up on Patreon because it's worth like a oh, hundred patrons should sign up. Yeah, okay, that, I'm committing yeah. right now. I did. I We're did putting tweak it up. Sourdough. And tweak and tweak and tweak. That was my COVID oh, so shutdown recipe. Okay. Was tweaking cinnamon rolls. If you become a patron, this <laughs> at any tier, you will gain access to the premier sourdough cinnamon roll recipe of all time, which I eat aggressively whenever it comes out no uh, let's be honest and we I'm all the do one that eats most we all do she's making it again <laughs> for this lord's day father's day uh yeah let me just tell you so patrons just look forward to that along with our cookbook episode that comes out with this show there's there's a bunch of good stuff on there but yeah so a lot of these have to do with just different sort of going back in time even if it's 50 or 100 years techniques in cooking a lot of these disciplines in the kitchen will, will relate to that. One last thing I wanted to talk about is medicine. Mm-hmm. Because you can make medicinal yeah. concoctions mm-hmm. in your kitchen as well, mm-hmm. if you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So any anything, I mean, obviously, we're not going to like give you I some recipes right now. We probably will. I think we'll do like an apothecary episode, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a lot easier than you think. People keep asking me for resources for this, by the way, yeah. online. I had a heck of a time finding resources for our region. Yeah, It's kind of hard for me to recommend resources for you guys in general. Mary Gladstar would probably be who I would point you to, but I really do think you need to get regional, local ones. So maybe yeah, go this to be different. local seed swap or call like your local botanical garden and ask them, ask the gardeners there what they would recommend for your location. Yeah, get so, yourself some um, elderberries. But yeah, berries. you can make all sorts of stuff. I mean, I made mojito simple syrup Mojitos. recently from mint that Ari yeah. harv- uh, foraged for me, or like the the garlic scapes that Sarah and I picked. Yep, that I use for marinade. Yeah, all yeah. of a sudden I'm pulling, I'm grilling up some meat, Lexi marinated. I'm like, what is this vegetation in this bag? It's like there's a handful of vegetation that <laughs> someone like plucked from a field. And it was really weird. I asked garlic scapes. Yeah, scapes. Garlic scapes. Dear listener, I don't know what a garlic scape is. 
So, so I need to I recover made an that. Oil and garlic oil infused marinade. We made we got some juniper that we've Free infused medicine. honey with. And the thing is, yeah. when you know how to do that sort of a skill to forage, that food is right. That that's way fresher than any garlic I could go buy at the grocery store right yeah. now. Yeah. Which means it's just it is just better for you. <laughs> yeah, it, it isn't free. losing its nutrient density. It's free. In travel and heat yes. and cold and all these different processing steps. So those are some of the steps. And then lastly, let we'll just end here with some quick advice on things that will serve you in learning any new skill. And I would say what I have in mind here, and you can add whatever comes to mind for you, is identifying people who are really good at it is the first should be your first step. So when you identify like, okay, I want to learn how to pressure can, you should start in your local circle because it is gold. If you can find some grandma who's like been pressure canning for 30 years, like that will give you so much confidence and human connection. And then, you know, you can move out until you get to your YouTubes and your things like that. But identify an expert and you will learn so much more efficiently that way yeah. than just trying to like wade through 50 different books or, you know, that kind of thing. When you identify who is the best of the best in this world, then you know which books to buy. You know what who to listen to. Yeah. You know, John Moody told me we should do this actually. Because it can I, I really, really do try to not just spend a lot of money on resources and books. Yeah. But it can be hard to if you don't see them in person, you don't know what would serve you best. John Moody recommended that we start a homesteading library. Yeah, that's a good idea. But that's, you know, everyone out there, go start a homesteading yeah. library. Some of our goals for, for our Patreon content is is also including things like annotated bibliographies. Where Lexi's I'm waited going through. To <laughs> yeah. do, no, you're I doing swear it. I'm not hurrying you. We We're are on a waist neck deep in swim lessons. Bright hearth <laughs> Bright Hearth is, you know, it's a long, slow glory. It's yes, not microwaves. Yes. I haven't but forgotten. Yeah, we're, I just nerd out over it so much that yeah. I, I really want to have a good chunk of time to be able to write. Well, them, and, so. and the beauty of that is that someone who's put hours and hours and hours and hours of reading the bad, the wrong books and saying this book isn't very good and to find the good ones is very valuable. So find the expert. And then I would say, uh, make sure one of the pitfalls that can happen. I think when wives are trying to recover this sort of thing is to all of a sudden like drop everything else. Oh, like yes. you, no, you cannot you do that. Can't no. do that. No. You've got to serve the people. Which Bring when them we in. get into the office, we will talk about how to yes, build yeah. this into your day. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got to also just realize that nobody is gets good at anything worth doing without failing at it a lot. Mm-hmm. So you just have to be diligent, push through, be patient. You know, I haven't done this for a while, and maybe it's because I had to do it when we were homeschooling, but most Saturdays is when we would dedicate to learning a new skill because we didn't have anything else going on. You know, I could, it could be a cooking project, a preservation project, a garden project. We would like pick that one day. So it wasn't like I was constantly. That's true. I like the creative chaos. One of the things I like to do on Saturday is lay. I know. Down horizontally. Uh, we've been we've had a lot going on lately, so it is it is good to rest though. Yeah. So I mean, that's where I would start. Get get a good find the person who is the person. Hopefully locally, and then work your way out if you can't find someone locally. Be humble. Be teachable. Be diligent in it, and start. Try to start with at least a few of them that are going to have the highest impact on your people, your family. 
improving the things that are really central, like food and mm-hmm. um, medicine and really helping your kids and making sure that you're not force feeding your husband, or your kids stuff they hate, <laughs> you know, helping them, loving them, not making them slaves to your ideals, mm-hmm. but um, serving the people. So any last words, Lexi, before we wrap this up? The last thing that I recommend is like stick to recipes. If you really are new to cooking and you find some, don't be afraid to ask for recipes. First of all, stick to the recipes. And as you stick to recipes, you'll be able to start reading recipes and reading ingredients and knowing what really does go and not go well together. So you'll be making less bad meals, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I, I think ultimately in the long run, as we become better at cooking, we need less of that and we can, you know, be a little more creative and cook on the fly. But if you want to have some good successes up front, stick to recipes that you already know are good recipes. Good word. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Once again, there's a link in the show notes where you can become a patron of the show, help us offset the cost of making this podcast, as well as the time commitment. Uh, help us keep doing it and producing good content. We have our weekly in the kitchen episode up already as you're listening to this on our Patreon, as well as all of the back episodes from that, where we aim to be very practical, answer listener questions, provide resource names, lists of books, things like that. Uh, We appreciate all of your support. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you would, dear listener, And as always, may the Lord bless you and your people and cause his face to shine upon you as you put your hand to the good work that he has put before you. God bless you.